Hello, 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 and welcome to this this week's edition, the week of November 12th, edition of the Red-Headed Preacher podcast. We did have a week off when we had a guest preacher, and we don't have, um, you know, the arrangement to record our guest preachers and then get them onto the podcast. But I'm back, and uh, I am Richard Lanford. I'm the Red-Headed Preacher of St. Peter's United Church of Christ in Skokie, Illinois. It's my privilege to serve here as I have for over 30 years now. And this week's message is the first of two Sundays with emphasis on, well, it's November, it must be stewardship. And next Sunday is going to have a different focus, different emphasis than this one, though they are interwoven, I'm sure. But uh, this one is maybe the little, uh, the more, maybe more typical kind of sermon. Uh, I'm using Matthew 25, 13 to 30, which is the parable of the talents, and uh, 1 Timothy 6 about those who are rich in this world. Don't be haughty, but be rich in good deeds and be ready to share. And Leviticus 19. And so uh, I'm going to touch on all three of these. I'm going to focus on the gospel passage because that speaks to me the most. And um, I guess I'm projecting that onto others that it's going to speak to them the most too. And that can be a risky proposition as a preacher, but I'm willing to take that risk for this Sunday. That's our lead in. And uh, I. it's going to be some different takes, I think. That's why it's called Stewardship Lessons. My hope is that that you, as I did, uh, will pick up a new perspective or a new angle on thinking and doing stewardship. So uh, let's begin with a, a brief word of prayer, and then the next voice you hear will be our lector. Let us pray. Mysterious and loving God, we give you thanks for us having this time to pause on other thoughts and things and, and focus on listening to your word and your word uh, expounded on. We pray that your spirit bless and guide those of us who listen as we pray that you bless and guide me as I preach this message, that it be acceptable in your sight and suitable for building up the body of Christ around the world, wherever it is heard. Humbly we ask this. We pray for this blessing. In Jesus' name, amen. In the Gospel reading today, Jesus begins by telling his followers to keep awake. In the world you and I live in, with all kinds of forces at play, not all of them harmless or holy, those are good words to live by. Faithfulness in times like these does not need people of faith to keep awake to discern the days, to make wise judgments, and also perceive how God is at work in the world. Now we are about to listen to some passages in the Bible. Listening to these is another way you and I keep awake in our minds and spirits. They help us have filters through which we keep out dangerous beliefs and feelings. They remind us that as stewards, God has work for us to do. That also means keeping awake. So let us stay awake for this prayer for illumination, 
that God may bless this time we now spend with God's word. Please join me in the spirit of prayer. Prayer. Let us pray. Almighty God, you have blessed us with life, your word, and with your spirit. As the scriptures are proclaimed and heard, may your spirit move to give us greater understanding. May this increased understanding of your word nourish our life as your people. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Our first lesson is from the book of Leviticus, chapters, uh, chapter 19, verses 9 through 13. The Lord is giving directions for how to live as God's people in the land they are about to occupy. When you reap the harvest of your land, you shall not reap to the very edges of your field, or gather, uh, or gather the gleanings of your harvest. You shall not strip your vineyard bare, or gather the fallen grapes of your vineyard. You shall leave them for the poor and the alien. I am the Lord your God. You shall not steal. You shall not deal falsely. You shall not lie to one another. And you shall not swear falsely by my name, profaning the name of your God. I am the Lord. You shall not defraud your neighbor. You shall not steal. You shall not keep for yourself the wages of a laborer until morning. That ends the reading from the Old Testament. Keeping with a stewardship theme, our next reading is from Paul's first letter to Timothy, chapter 6, verses 12 through 21. As for those who in the present age are rich, command them not to be haughty, or to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but rather on God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. They are to do good, to be rich in good works, generous and ready to share, thus storing up for themselves the treasure of a good foundation for the future, so that they may take hold of the life that really is life. Timothy, Guard what has been entrusted to you. Avoid the profane chatter and contradictions of what is falsely called knowledge. By professing it, some have missed the mark as regards the faith. Grace be with you. Will those who are able please stand for the reading of the gospel? The gospel this morning is Matthew chapter 25 verses 13 through 30. It is the second of three parables Jesus tells in chapter 25, and they all have an eye to the last days. Jesus said, Keep awake, therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour. For it is as if a man, going on a journey, summoned his slaves and entrusted his property to them. To one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, to each according to his ability. Then he went away. The one who had received the five talents went off at once and traded with them, and made five more talents. In the same way, the one who had the two talents made two more talents. But the one who had received the one talent 
went off and dug a hole in the ground and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those slaves came and settled accounts with them. Then the one who had received the five talents came forward, bringing five more talents, saying, Master, you handed, me, handed over to me five talents. See, I have made five more talents. His master said to him, Well done, good and trustworthy slave. You have been trustworthy in a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. And the one with the two talents also came forward, saying, Master, you handed over to me two talents. See, I have made two more talents. His master said to him, Well done, good and trustworthy slave. You have been trustworthy in a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. Then the one who had received the one talent also came forward, saying, Master, I knew that you were a harsh man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you did not scatter seed. So I was afraid, and I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here you have what is yours. But his master replied, You wicked and lazy slave, you knew, did you, that I reap where I did not sow and gather where I did not scatter? Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers, and on my return I would have received what was my own with interest. So take the talent from him and give it to the one with the ten talents. For to all those who have, more will be given, and they will have an abundance. But from those who have nothing, even what they have will be taken away. As for this worthless slave, throw him into the outer darkness, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Here ends the reading of the Gospel and the Scriptures for today's service. May God add to us a wise and generous understanding of this, the word of the God of life for the life of the people of God. One of the elders of St. Nikolai UCC, where I pastored for over seven years, had some memorable sayings. And one was, if you've gone through the day and you haven't learned anything, you wasted the day. Our time on earth is better when we remain teachable, open to new understandings, new ideas, new relationships. Sometimes the learning we find most profitable is learning again what we knew, but forgot. There have been plenty of times I knew something, but when someone else said it, it was as if, it was as if I learned it again, and then it really stuck. That's what happened when I spent some time last week with our first reading. Leviticus 19 assumes an agricultural setting where at least many of the listeners then, and some still today, of course, grow crops. For those of us more familiar with asphalt and concrete than tractors, soil, and hay, we might think there's not much in there for us, uh, but I think some of you already realize that's not true. Leviticus has lessons for you and me as we ponder how we treat and care for the resources God has given us. When you reap the harvest of your land, you shall not 
reap to the very edges of your field or gather the gleanings of your harvest. You shall not strip your vineyard bare or gather the fallen grapes of your vineyard. You shall leave them for the poor and the alien. I am the Lord your God. So the first lesson I got from this last week was this. It's not all for you. It's not all for me or us. This is an exhortation for people of God who have been blessed with resources to think of those who do not enjoy the blessings you, I, or we enjoy. In this case, it is land and produce. Don't take it all. Leave some behind because it will be put to good and necessary use. Don't take it all. Leave some behind. Be mindful of those who do not have land or crops. Leave something for them as you steward your gifts. It's not all for us. There is the same lesson for those who employ day laborers in that economy. The passage goes on to teach, you shall not defraud your neighbor, you shall not steal, and you shall not keep for yourself the wages of a laborer until morning. As the farmers were told to think of those in need who have not the land and resources they have, so the employers are told to think of their day workers who need the wages, like we pray for our daily bread, our bread for the morrow, and on a daily basis, it's needed. There were no credit or debit cards. They needed the cash at the end of each workday for survival, to go to a late night place where they could purchase what they needed for dinner, if not also for breakfast and the rest of that day. And make no mistake, even in our advanced electronic economy, wage theft goes on around the world. These are commands from the Lord God, who, by the way, was aware that the holy name was being profaned by those who invoked the Lord while committing dishonest behavior. Before leaving Leviticus, let's take a closer look at this verse. You shall not strip your vineyard bare or gather the fallen grapes of your vineyard. You shall leave them for the poor and the alien. I am the Lord your God. And where it says, Lord, and those of you who are lectors, and it's Lord in all capital letters, it means that's where the, the tetragrammaton is. The four letters which we pronounce as Yahweh, the name that God gave Moses to give to the people of Israel when they were slaves in Egypt. Who's sending me? Yahweh. This is what it is here. I am Yahweh your God. I am the Lord your God. The poor we can imagine. The alien is the non-Israelite, the sojourner within your gates, those who by being in Israel are in a foreign land. Elsewhere in Leviticus, not the verses we heard today, but in the same chapter, God teaches that they are to be treated honorably and loved as the neighbor. Verses 33 and 34 teach, when an alien resides with you in the land, you shall not oppress the alien. The alien who resides with you shall be to you as the citizen among you. You shall love the alien as yourself. For you were aliens in the land of Egypt. I am Yahweh your God. 
Well, it's not news that we are in an immigration crisis, which includes legal asylum seekers and refugees from horrible home country situations like civil war, persecution, and death threats from gangs and drug cartels. Creating a just immigration policy on a bipartisan basis is something I think we all desire, combined with adequate staff to implement the policies. Without getting into arguments or denying claims of justice deferred in America, the scripture seems clear about how people of God are to live with and care for those who are not from here, but are among us. When you or I get in conversations about immigration, as God's people, we are given here God's framework of understanding to bring to those discussions a pair of glasses, perhaps, through which to view and focus on and think about the issues involved. You know I always encourage us to think theologically as we are sustained by grace. Leviticus teaches us, among stewardship lessons, that what we have and what we manage is not all for us. Because being a daughter or son of God, a brother of Jesus, means it's not about us, period. As Paul wrote in Galatians, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but it is Christ who lives in me. Other lessons come from the famous gospel reading we heard Rich read from Matthew. For a long time, it was kind of guilt-inducing for me, or occasionally inspirational, because when I hear that, I think of my playing the trumpet or guitar for worship and being a talent, not that it's a great talent, but being a talent I mostly keep buried in the ground, undeveloped. I think that still applies for me, but this, this past week, I was more struck, not with that, but with the fear of the third slave. This also speaks to me. As, in fact, as Wayne McPherson said last Sunday from this pulpit, whatever we preach to a congregation, we are also preaching to ourselves. The slave is afraid to do anything with the talent he's given, and so he buries it. Well, I know something about fear when it comes to stewardship along the lines of risk-taking. The first slave, for example, by contrast, went off at once to trade with the talents. He had no fear, but the third one did, and out of his fear, he buried it. As part of my preparation, I listed some of what he might have been afraid of. I jotted down fear of losing what has been given, fear of risk, fear of angering the master, low self-esteem, encouraging a below-average belief in his ability to accomplish anything, and thus walking hand-in-hand hand with fear, justifying it. As we prayed the prayer of confession, there was a line or two in there that says just, says just that, about our low self-esteem can encourage us to not believe we have the ability to work, do something good with what God has given us, and that can play into our fear of failure. Now, I know in the climax of the story, this slave told the master that it was the master he was afraid of. Master, I knew that you were a harsh man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you did not scatter seed. 
And he replied to the slave, perhaps sarcastically, you knew, did you, that I reap where I did not sow and gather where I did not scatter? The slave used the word harsh. I knew you were a harsh man. The Greek word here is skleros. A skleros could mean harsh as in strong and sovereign or harsh as cruel. To be sovereign and strong could imply the slave thinks the master is absolutely indifferent to the feelings or actions of insignificant lesser humans. A scholar named Bengel wrote, I knew thee, quoting the slave, I knew thee, he knows him not who thinks him hard. God is love. And this is evident, depending on who you or I look at the talent the master entrusted him with. The master did not have to do anything. He could have given the extra talent to either one of the first two slaves, but the master, for us, God, had given him a talent to manage. The rest, that trust, was actually a gift, an opportunity. Frederick Bruner wrote, even a single talent is the equivalent of approximately a whole lifetime of wages. One denarius for a day's work, 10,000 denarii make up one talent. The parable, he said, begins with grace. He points out that some commentators say the enormous sum represents the greatness of God's mercy to each Christian, equating each slave in the parable to be a follower of Jesus, belonging to the master. So much for God as scleros. The master wondered why his fear did not lead the slave to at least put the money in the bank to earn interest. He was expected to at least try to do something. And that's what I'm getting out of the message to those who are afraid of doing poor um, financial and talent stewardship. The lesson I got from this visit with the parable of the talents is to challenge the fear of mistakes, of risk, of possible loss, and get out there and try. Make an effort. I still remember Gene Hackman as the priest in the Poseidon Adventure. And after the ship had capsized, a lot of folks were trying to make their way upwards towards the bottom hull of the boat. And since it's capsized, you're trying to get out from the bottom. Some became despondent. Some of them wanted to quit. Father Hackman encouraged them not to stop, but to keep making the attempt forward. For as he put it, God loves triers. It can be a challenge to ourselves, this putting ourselves out there and trying to do positive things with our resources, including sharing. It is not putting God to the test. Well, I want to see if you'll really take care of me after I spend, send $1,000 to the Greater Food Chicago Depository. No, I, it's not putting God to the test, but our own self and self-worth if it happens to be low. Put it out there. Don't put God's gifts to be used by us for others into the ground. We know that's not cool from this parable. Do not be afraid, but trust in the fact that a not harsh God is giving you and me an opportunity to bless ourselves, 
to bless our God and others. Lesson one, it's not all for us. It's not all about us. Lesson two, let our love of God move us to lead fear astern and make a bold, good effort to do with to do a good, bold effort with what God gives us. And lastly, briefly, our stewardship reflects our relationship with God and the realm of God or God's kingdom. We saw in the parable that the fearful, untrusting servant who did not even make the effort to put the grace-given talent in the bank did not enter into the joy of his master. This is a serious warning on the surface at the least. We heard in 1 Timothy some words that also lift up the idea that our stewardship can have an impact on how we relate with the kingdom of God. The early church, although largely poor in most areas, remember the really poor Jerusalem church that Paul was leading an offering for, the early church also did attract wealthy benefactors and believers. And to them, Paul wrote, and we heard, command them not to be haughty or to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but rather on God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. They are to do good, to be rich in good works, generous and ready to share, thus storing up for themselves the treasure of a good foundation for the future so that they may take hold of the life that really is life. He does not direct those who are wealthy in this world to sell everything they have and give to the poor and go follow Jesus. Jesus had ascended some time before. They too might have to call on God to help them get over their fears of giving what might be perceived as too much. But what followed is easily missed. It has been by me before. After saying be ready to share, it continued thus storing up for themselves the treasure of a good foundation for the future so that they may take hold of the life that really is life. The treasure of a good foundation for the future, the life that really is life. Is this the life which is deeply content as the result of doing the right things and helping others, for there is a contentment that comes not from seeking pleasure, but from, but from doing the right thing. Is this the life that he's talking about, or could this future be eternal life? Entered into not because someone had been generous enough, like buying someone's way into the pearly gate, but because the generosity was simply proof that it was not him himself or she herself, but Christ who lived in her, in him, in them. It was the good tree bearing good fruit, the five talents, making five talents more. I think it's both. If so, then our stewardship of the resources that God blesses you, me, and St. Peter's with reflects and reveals where our heart and our mind are, as well pointed to and guided by the wise and compassionate triune God.
another stewardship lesson. Next Sunday will also be about stewardship, but from a different, pers- different angle. Um, not an angle like this, but with different passages and a different take on the concept of stewardship. Amen. Hello again. I don't know if you could tell, but the, the very end of the sermon was... Um, I kind of lost my rhythm. I felt like something additional needed to be said than what was on the manuscript, and it just kind of came out a little on the lamer side. So um, I have to remember to stick to my manuscript, and um, if it wasn't written with a great ending, well, unless you're really inspired to give a good one, um, be careful. But overall, I I enjoyed preaching the sermon, got some good comments afterwards, and uh, so I'm glad. I'd hoped that I would offer some thoughts that were illuminating or, uh, you know, just giving people another way to think about stewardship, uh, as well as about the migrant crisis. Um, There's not a whole lot in the scriptures that I'm aware of that that deal with uh, the sojourner within your gates, but there is enough in there. And I think what I brought up from Leviticus 19 is the core of it, uh, without um, meaning to um, either get in get into an argument or to not understand the complexities of the issues involved um, and the feelings. Um, so as I said, I was sidestepping that and uh, didn't mean to. That wasn't the point. I wasn't preaching about that, but I was lifting up, you know, here's a biblical framework. We may not like it, but this is what we have from Leviticus to guide us. So, um, that does it for this week's edition of the Redheaded Preacher Podcast, and I hope you will join us when you can for next week's uh, edition, it'll be November 19th, and that will be more of an emphasis on Thanksgiving, but also on stewardship, as I said, and as I said, uh, it's, it's part of the sermon, uh, which was also not scripted, as it were. I don't like to use the word script, but that came off a little bit better, I think, uh, than the very end. So, enough apologies. Um, things, I, I felt that things went fine. I hope you enjoyed it, too. And I hope you'll tune in at the next opportunity you get. God bless you, and God bless your week. Like what you've heard? Hit subscribe to follow and get updates on our newest additions to The Red-Headed Preacher. We'd love it if you'd give us a five-star rating and review wherever you listen to podcasts. You can find us online under most social media platforms by typing St. Peter UCC Skokie in your browser. Donations are much needed and very welcomed. You can donate to us by going to paypal.me backslash St. Peter UCC Skokie. This information and more can also be found in the show notes wherever you listen to our podcast. Thank you so much 